of you went and saw the new Mission Impossible movie in the theater? I mean, it was awesome, right? I, I was completely surprised by it because there have been so many. And at this point, when you start to get past four in a series, it just starts to feel really played out. But there was something about the trailer for this film. Maybe it was the fact that it, it, it was obviously shot on film. Maybe it was like the fact that it was really grainy or maybe it just felt, it felt raw and real. Uh, and so it got me there and I was so happy that I, that I went because it, for the first time in a long time, it felt like a, like a, someone described it to me as a manly film. It felt really sort of big and macho and mean and gritty. Uh, and without giving away any spoilers, that bathroom fight scene, that was epic, right? I mean, how huge did Henry Cavell feel in that film? I mean, and what about that really cool fist-pounding wind-up he does before punching his way into the fight? Ah, oh, dude, it was so cool. It was such an inspiring thing. And okay, look, we have to address the fact that it's an amazing thing that Tom Cruise does all of his own stunts in that movie. I mean, oh my God. But at the end of it all, I had to ask myself... Well, who is the person that is designing these fights? Like, who is the guy designing these stunning car chases? I mean, the car chases in that film, they felt like a French connection, you know? Like a bit of bullet meets French connection. And I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm blabbing on about the new Mission Impossible movie, and it's because I really loved it. And it's a rare thing now. Within the past few years, it's been a rare thing that I've gone to see a movie that I really fucking loved. Um, and so... I wanted to figure out who was the person that did all these stunts because as a young filmmaker, I don't get the opportunity to work with stunt coordinators. Um, and I want to do some action movies in the future and I want to learn about it. And I, I don't want to have to learn in the middle of it. I don't want to have to learn on set. And so that started out this mission that I had, mission, of course, uh, to find out who was the stunt coordinator on the new Mission Impossible movie. Do yourself a favor, take a quick second and pull up IMDB, and then type in this name, Wade Eastwood. Now, he is the best stunt coordinator in the business right now. I mean, let's just read through a few of the films that he's worked on recently. Like, we got Jack Reacher, Edge of Tomorrow, World War Z, Men in Black, the new James Bond movies. I mean, these are just a few from the list that he has as a stunt coordinator. I mean, the list of his stunt work is massive and loaded with some of my favorite big budget movies starting back in the late 90s all the way to now. Um, so when I found this page, I knew it was going to be a shot in the dark to get Wade on the show. But we did it. We got him. <laughs> we got him, guys. This is the coolest episode that I have done so far. And I know I say that, but it's, it's, it is the coolest episode. I feel like a little fanboy. I'm really excited about this whole thing. I don't, I'm not a fanboy when it comes to talent or actors. I, I, I get really, I get really excited to talk to these technicians that create the stuff that I admire. Um, so after about a week or so of planning, uh, Wade was able to take about a half hour in between meetings to sit down and answer some honest questions that I have about stunts and planning stunts. Uh, we get into his career as a second unit director and what that entails as well. So we are so completely fortunate to have him on today's show. I also want to take a second to thank Susie, Wade's assistant, who's been working with me for over the past few weeks to schedule this interview. And I'm sure if a lot of you don't know this, but Hollywood is actually run by the assistant. So thank you, Susie. So once again, for this show, I want to just give a quick disclaimer about the sound quality. I had to Skype with Wade, who is in the UK, and it sounds like he, he took some time uh, to talk to me while riding in a car from set. So it's not the most optimal situation. And he drops in and out a few times, but I'll tell you what, deal with it. Um, because that was the only way I was able to get him, and the interview is awesome, guys. Um, and I promise for you nerds out there, I will do a studio episode soon that sounds crystal clear and it, it's really cool, but fuck it. I will completely uh, get rid of quality to get a really great interview. Um, so anyway, let's get right to it. You know the deal. Throw on those noise-canceling headphones, make fists with your toes on the carpet, sit back, and enjoy the new episode of In Love With The Process. Hello, Wade. Thanks for uh, coming and uh, taking a few minutes to talk to me about what you do. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, so I, I have to say off the bat that uh, I'm a big fan of the movies that you work on. I'm a big fan of the work you do. 
Um, myself, I am a, a director that is on the verge of making my first Hollywood movie, and there's some stunt work in that movie, and this would be the first time I'm actually working with a stunt coordinator, so I have a lot of like really deep questions that, as myself as a director, I would want to ask you. So yep. I'm hoping that that will uh, help uh, some of my young listeners and some of the young uh, filmmakers that are that are tuning in today understand better understand what it is that you guys do and have a better appreciation for that work. Great. Awesome, man. Um, so let's uh, just start. So it's you've been, your schedule's been pretty crazy. Like, where are you at right now? So, yeah, I'm in uh, London at the moment in England. Um, I just finished uh, Fallout, Mission Impossible 6, and went home for three weeks. It was meant to be for six months, but uh, I had a call to come back uh, to England to do Men in Black. Um, a spinoff of Men in Black, so with Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. So um, I'd always wanted to work with Chris. Actually, he's he's a phenomenal guy. So uh, uh, I didn't turn it down. So I'm back. I was home for three weeks and uh, back in England, uh, the same studio, but on a different movie. (laughs) I was really surprised to hear that because I know that you just finished up the new Mission Impossible movie and I figured that you'd be out racing cars or something at this point. (laughs) Yeah, that was the plan. I was uh, pretty exhausted after that one. I was a year and a half on that, you know, with the... Getting the script right and prep and everything, and um, it was uh, definitely, uh, definitely, my plan was to go and uh, just do some racing and do some surfing and, and chill with the family. But um, you know, I've got a good relationship with the studio, and uh, um, and they called me, and it was a Chris Hemsworth film, and uh, it was exciting. So I said yes, I couldn't turn it down. Uh, I'm excited about it. I can't wait to see what you guys are working on. Um, it's funny. It's gonna, it's gonna be funny, <laughs> and I'm sure it's gonna be pretty intense too, because uh, your action sequences are rad, dude. <laughs> to say Thank the you least. very much. Yeah, I'm trying to get it in there. It's a, it's an alien movie, obviously, so um, it's not as, uh, you know, it's not as intense physical human action, mm-hmm. but I'm def- definitely trying to keep the sort of real, real action in it as much as possible, and uh, only, only use the sort of CG green skin elements when we. We, we physically have to because we're in an alien world or we're fighting aliens. So do as much physical action as I can. That stuff is the best, man. Like I believe in the same thing as a director. I try to do all of my effects uh, in camera. I try to do all my stuff physical because there's something beautiful about the natural, I don't even want to say mistakes, but just the natural chemistry that happens on camera that isn't too overplanned as far as CGI is concerned. Um, and it just feels a hell of a lot more realistic when you're watching the film. Hundred percent. You know, uh, the way I look at it is, I, I try and do everything real, and and then use CG to enhance or complement things, you know, to, to take it to another level. But you have real physical action that you can key off, that camera operators can follow in camera, that actors can, you know, develop their characters off and play off with each other and give performances based on it. And then we just enhance it and key off it, even if it's a full CG character. You put someone in there in a full suit moving. So you've got someone to look at, react to with an eyeline and, and, and do, you know, have physical reactions. If you go too much the other way where you're relying on all green screen and CG work and you, you know, very little reference work, um, or just put the people in there purely for a reference or an eyeline, mm-hmm. you, you, you lose the quality of performance. I think, um, for the, for the actors they, it's too, it's too fake. Yeah, no, completely agree, man. And I can't wait to get into this. So let me just jump right into it and start really simple for whatever fans that are listening that don't really know what a stunt coordinator does. Can you just quickly sort of describe what the job of a stunt coordinator is? Yeah, I mean, the stunt coordinator's basic job is to make sure that whatever action scenes are in the movie are, you know, choreographed, rigged and rehearsed properly and, 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 you know, that, that they safely executed and that you negate as much risk as you can. Um, during all your rehearsal stages so that you, the stunt is repeatable um, and, you know, it, it, it's safe and, and performable. Uh, over the years, that job title for some people has changed and it's, it's a, a lot more of creating the action um, very early on. A lot of scripts are written with guy runs out of, out of office and a chase ensues or a car chase ensues or, you know, or nothing and an action sequence ensues. And then it's our job a lot to, depending on, what level of coordinator you, you become or working at it. Your job is then to actually create and write the action in with the director and the writers and create the action from nothing. Um, and, uh, that, that's the part that I, I love. I love the creative side of, 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 you know, from absolutely nothing from just a rough outline to actually create action sequences that are very strongly character based. 
Oh, and that's what I love about your work is that it feels like every time you see, um, there, it doesn't seem like you're doing any sort of lazy tricks. Like every time you watch a character, like in the new Mission Impossible movie, each character seems to have their own way of doing things that actually says something about the character's motivation, says something about how the character would handle situations that they're in. Um, how many people are generally on your crew on a film at the Mission Impossible size? Uh, Mission size, I've normally got like about a 12 strong core team. Mm-hmm. Um, which I call my core. And then as the sequences, as I need more people in car chases and, you know, I can have 70, 100 odd stunt people or more, you know, working in the, in the scene on, on Troy, my core team was 75 core. Wow. Um, and then I had, you know, 250 um, other guys plus action extras <laughs> plus general extras. So it was, um, it was a thousand people in every shot except one, I think, that I did action wise on that movie. So it, it's, a, it's a lot to manage. Um, but, you know, again, I, I rehearse a lot. I choreograph rehearse a lot because I'm very, very sh- strong on, on, the, on the character action. As I said before, I, I, I hate doing action just for action's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's always the, the hardest thing for me is to try and, you know, to try and stick, make sure the directors and everyone else stick to, to, to the action plan to make sure it stays character-based and, and, and we don't sort of bridge, you know, change rules halfway through a sequence and confuse the audience. Yeah, and there's something to be said about that continuity and, and just sticking with that. When you when you first get a script, what is your process? Um, so <clears throat> it takes me ages to read a script. I'm the worst because <laughs> I, 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 vi- I unfortunately visualize every single word that I read. And I, always used, I used to work for this amazing second-year director for many years back in the day, um, Simon. And he used to get so annoyed with me because I'll quickly read this. And he would read it in an hour, and I would take like a day and a half. Um, and he would just keep telling me to stop visualizing, but I, I visualize every word because I have to escape. It's just the way I, I am. I escape very quickly in a script. Um, if it's a good script, if it's a, if it's not a good script, uh, I, I disconnect, I struggle. And then I'm, I can't do the movie and, uh, unless there's going to be major changes. It's, I just wouldn't want to do that type of movie, you know? Yep. Um, but, but if, if the script engages me, I'm already, whilst I'm reading it, I'm, I, I am in the movie myself running around or doing whatever the person's doing and imagining what I would do and where I would go. So if my process, I think, is quite different to um, other people's maybe. But for me, it, it works that way, Like especially with the missions. I can connect with Ethan Hunt, the character, very well. You know, When I look at an a, a, a action sequence or a script, I'm reading it and I'm, I'm with him and I'm, I'm going on a journey. I'm like, well, how do I want to get there? What are my options right now? And I, I think of what I would do in that situation. What are my options? Where would I go? And how would I do it? And, and that's sort of how I, I'm, I develop the action. And then breaking it down, I then obviously break each sequence down. I'm going to have um, a Paris car chase and motorbike chase. I'm going to have a, a halo jump here um, that takes us there. I'm going to have a you know, fight scene here in a bathroom. I'm going to do this and that. So I break each action sequence down. Once we've once we know what the sequences are, that takes some time getting there to that point. Um, and then I go to my team and I have a, a sort of beat sheet and breakdown that I do mm-hmm. of the key elements, character elements that I have to keep in the sequence. That whatever we do, we have to know, okay, it's not about fighting each other. It's about getting the bomb or it's not about this. It's about That's our goal and our objective. And our objective has to be the focus of that fight or that scene. That whatever we do, we have to always relate to that objective. Otherwise, you lose touch. You start getting to this amazing fight scene, this amazing this, and everyone's like, oh, my God, this is incredible. But why are we fighting? What do we do? What's our reason for it? You know, and that's it's very easy to lose that. So I always put the sort of key words down, if you like, and the key elements. Um, and then a lot of the time, I'll, I'll give my team the sort of outline of where we're going with it. Mm-hmm. And then I go away. Like the bathroom fight, I will go into bathrooms and, like, some sort of weirdo sometimes <laughs> I hang around, I hang around in a bathroom, you know, <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> wait, wait till it's, especially if it's empty and I'll, I'll go and lie on the floor and I'll be like, if I was down here, what would I do? And you know, if someone walks in and I get a couple of strange looks and, um, and then <laughs> I'll see the, you know, the, the plumbing or like the, the P trap and the sink, you know, that we grab stuff like that. I'm like, that could be a weapon. Okay. We can use that. That's been done before smashing a glass mirror and taking a shard. We've done that a million movies. So, you know, I could do this, I could do that. I could take the plug hole out and use it as a spike. I could do this. And I, and I start thinking what, if I was desperate, if I was defending my life or my family's life, what would I do? And that's how I get ideas. 
Hmm. And then I go back to my team and I give them those ideas. And I'm like, let's construct a fight with all this in it, with these key elements from each character. So that that's an example of how I do it for a fight, for example. I, I have to put myself in the situation before I can create it. That makes a lot of sense. I find myself doing the same thing if I'm writing a script or if I'm even trying to block out a scene ahead of time so I can board it and do my prep. I, I have to do the same sort of thing, walk through it and pretend like I'm in that space and try to figure it out. So that makes sense to me. That's pretty cool. I think yeah, I think it's important for audiences as well. You know, if we if you're running on top of buildings, building to building or something and doing these big jumps or you're out somewhere doing a mad sequence on a mountaintop, not everyone in the world is been on a mountaintop or jumping on building or doing that. But if you can relate it more to human things, like, you know, everyone has a sink at home and a, a toilet and hopefully, well, not everyone, but most people. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they have, I like to use relatable items, relatable locations, um, so that the mass audience can get into the story because they're like, oh, God, yeah, I've, been, I've, I've done that. I've never thought about that, you know, rather than when you're in these faraway worlds, obviously, and doing these extreme things. Not everyone's had the opportunity to do all that, so they won't necessarily relate to it. Most people, when they think stunts, they think car chase, they think punching, they think all that stuff. But what in a script is actually classified as a stunt? It's not always the big stuff, correct? No, it's anything that um, any punch, kick, anything that's sort of breaking traction in a car, breaking speed limits, anything like that is is considered a stunt. Even the smallest thing needs planning. Um, it's actually the small stunts that always are the worst. The, the big ones are so over-prepped and over-planned. Um, you know, if it's going to go wrong, it's going to be very wrong. You're going to be dead. Um, <laughs> so, it, you know, they're always over-prepped and over-planned and, and everything's in place and the protocols. It's the small stunts. Like you're doing a fight, for example, going back to fights and you get kicked and, you know, it, you're not meant to go here. You've got a rubber table, so you hit the rubber table or something. But then you bounce off it badly and hit a stone step that's a little while away and you get stitches in your eye or something like that. So Ugh. it's always the unexpected little things. You know, the rubber, the table's rubber, but the one side's hard and you have to hit the hard side because you weren't meant to go there, but you did and you break a rib. Or it's always the small things that do that hurt. Like Tom's stunt on Fallout with a foot, you know. It, oh, it yeah. was the smallest stunt we've done in the last five years of movies that we've done together. It's like nothing. My my stunt double lined up the shot 30-odd times doing the jump. Tom did it a couple of times himself, no problem. It was just that one little thing, just pushing, pushing hard. And it's just like, oh, shit, I should have bent my leg. I didn't, damn it. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's just it's just those little things. I mean, you know, he's recovered. It's all good. But it's always the little hard ground-pounding gags that get you. The big ones are always, uh, you know, they, they're, they're a bigger visual, bigger to the audience, but they're generally much more controlled and much safer. For sure. And it's such an interesting thing because whenever I'm on a film set and I'm trying to shoot, you're under this, you're under the gun most of the time and you're trying to get as much done as you possibly can. You're trying to cram in as much as you can during the day. But the thing about stunts to me that seems a bit scary is that uh, if you're rushing or if you're pushing too hard, then someone can actually get injured really badly. Um, at, at what point do you, have you ever had to call it? Like, have you ever been oh, in yeah. that situation? Oh, yeah. Oh, loads of times. Okay. Yeah, loads of time. Everyone that knows me will know I'm not scared to call it. It's, uh, you know, it's it's the producer's job and everyone's job to push. Um, it's everyone in the film industry has a job to do. It's the production designer's job to fight for creating the most amazing sets and then, and looks. And then the stunt guys come in and are like, well, I need a rubber tail. I need this over there. I need that moved over there to do the fight. And it's our job to fight for the action. His job to fight for the sets looking nice. The DP's job to fight for the lighting to be correct. And together you create amazing movies, mm -hmm. um, all fighting for your own job. So you have to be strong and stand your ground and have the confidence and, and the belief in what you need, you know, in order to make it safe and, and correct. So if I'm doing a scene, it's getting late and they want to, okay, we're going to get into the action now. I'm like, no, it's too late. We've had a 12 hour shooting day already. Um, we're not getting into action. Like this is when accidents happen. Camera crew are tired. This, this is tight. It's, it's, I'm calling, I've done that a lot. Um, mm -hmm. um, and it's my job to do it. And it's the produce, it's everyone else's job to ask the question, the director's job. Oh, please. Can, is it? No, that's their job, everyone's job. And then the trust is there and we go, no, let's reschedule. Let's do this, this way and that, that way. And we work it out. No one would ever force you to do no producer or studio would ever force you to do something that's, that's unsafe. That all they're doing is asking the question. There are, there are those people that obviously, just always want to please they always want to please the producer the director <laughs> of the studio and they're like yeah we can do it and then accidents happen yeah. and it's it's that sort of cowboy mentality that is a, is dying out in our business thank god because it's no longer like you know 
oh yeah, half half, we did it. That was lucky. We don't do that. And I don't do that. It's, it's not never lucky. It's always controlled and, and, you know, and assess calculated risk assessed and, and performed. And that, that's the way it's, that's the way it's, it's gotta be, you know, it's, um, you know, when I second you direct, I'm second you director on this. So I have my own unit and I have to plan my day and plan the fights and plan the, the action that I'm doing. And I plan it in a way that I don't want to get the actors at the end of the day doing the biggest action because they're going to be tired throughout the day. Yeah. So I have, I have to plan my shots and plan my, my day in a way that get, you, I use them when they're at the peak of their energy. Um, and then throughout the day, I simplify the shots and the actions so that you know, we tone it down. That's actually a good uh, pivot point here because uh, I wanted to get into the fact that you have been doing, uh, that you have a really impressive list of second unit uh, director credits now. Uh, you've pretty much been doing it on all of Tom Cruise's latest uh, big action films. Um, how did you make that step up to that position? Like, how did it change things for you? Well, it's just it's just having more control of your action, you know. I mean, I come in, I, I write the action with, with, with the producer, and the, uh, with the writers and the director and um, and Tom and stuff, we write it together. <clears throat> we come up with the best sequences that are, sequences that are best for the character um, mm-hmm. and the film. So, and then I choreograph and rehearse with my team, and we get it all done. But because I'm so close to the action, I, I'm in it all day. Whereas the director's doing other things and other scenes, and you know it's a busy schedule, so we have to split units. So because I'm so close to the action, becoming a second year director, you just you get full control. So now I know the best shots because I've I've I've, div- I've created the action. So I know the best shots to to get in order to shoot it. So um, that's the relationship. I will shoot the action and um, and the step. It's sort of a natural transition, you know, from stunt performer. If you're a real film fan and you understand camera and story, and you will naturally progress to a stunt coordinator, and then you manage big teams and you set up the action and choreograph it yourself. And then if you're um, you know, if you if you really understand lens and camera and, and, and storytelling, then you could naturally transfer again into being a second year director and and possibly a a main unit director. There's some there's some great you know second year directors that have made that transition, like uh, Dave Leach, mm-hmm. um, you know, with Deadpool two, which he did an amazing job. People like that, um, and they've become great main unit directors. So you know, it's 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 a journey. Hey guys, I just want to take a second to uh, give a shout out to the sponsors for this week's episode. Uh, I'll keep it really quick. First up is uh, Rule Boston Camera. Now, if you're on the East Coast and you work in film, television, and, you know, potentially even sound recording stuff, these guys are my favorite rental house on the East Coast. They're out here in Boston. Um, They have everything you need, all the newest equipment, all the newest camera gear, Um, really amazing staff, in-house staff that can help you with any questions. And I know a lot of you young independent filmmakers out there are kind of nervous about going to a rental house. Like, who do you need to know? Is the insurance a lot? Um, It's actually really simple, really easy to do. And it's a great thing to do if you're a freelancer, just trying to keep your overhead down like I do. Uh, I don't believe in buying the newest camera on the market because that stuff changes so quickly. Um, And clients will ask for the newest, greatest thing Um, you know, just because they can. So it's really good to set up a relationship with a rental house like Rule Boston Camera, plug, um, because you can go in there and you can try out and you can play with all of the newest gear on the market. It's all available to you um, at really reasonable rates. And uh, I love those dudes. So if you are looking to rent camera gear, uh, if you're looking to learn, they have like a lot of really good learning labs. Um, if you're looking to just hang out with a bunch of film nerds, I would suggest going to Rule Boston Camera. Next up, Audible. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com backslash in love with the process and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title for free, and start listening. It's that easy. Uh, I love it, guys. I'm actually listening to the uh, Doctor Sleep, which is The Shining 2 by Stephen King. It's fantastic. The actor reading it is amazing. The production is amazing. Um, And I I just like listening to books these days because I can do it while multitasking. I can actually do it while I'm on an airplane. I can do it while I'm drawing and storyboarding. Um, So I can still get what I need from books while doing other things. And you all know how that is. So... If you want to support the show and you don't want to reach into your own pocket, this is the best way to do it. Go sign up for that 30-day 30 30 
free trial. I'll put the link below. Um, and everybody that signs up, it sends us a little bit of loot. Um, you can try it out for 30 days, decide if you like it. I think you will. But even if you don't, we still get paid. So it's the best way to help us out. So like I said, go to audibletrial.com backslash and love the process. Link below. Um, okay, enough plugs. Let's get right back to the episode. The thing that uh, I find so fascinating about action films um, is basically the the blocking and the and the coordination with a camera crew, because it's it, it goes back to almost like very sort of Charlie Chaplin silent filmmaking, where your actions are telling that story and the physical uh, movements of your characters are telling that story more than any sort of dialogue, um, which I love, 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 and. I think that strongly, like a great action sequence, you need to have an amazing stunt team, you need to have an amazing stunt coordinator, but you also need to know how to shoot the sequence correctly. Um, and, and so have you always been a nerd for cinema? Have you always been into how to cover scenes and, and, and what positions, what camera positions? Or is this something that you picked up over the years? It's definitely something you pick up. You learn all the time. I learn every single day. There's not a day that goes by I don't learn. And I love all the greats. And uh, you know, I'm 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 a massive fan of cinema. Massive fan of cinema. (laughs) Um, uh, But it's uh, my biggest thing is I I I can easily shot list sequence I'm going to do uh, and shoot it, and it would be you know great. It would be an action blockbuster, and you know people would like it. I hope. And but my biggest challenge is I hate shooting the same style of shots you know fight scenes are shot this way this is shot that way i'm always looking to try and reinvent the wheel yeah with how with how to shoot it and and little things um that keep the audience engaged and they just without being too clever because then you, you come out of it again i just want you know holding certain shots just for that little bit longer and taking a you know from a wide into a sort of insert and back without being too clever and just taking the, the audience on that journey and i'm always looking to i basically i do my shot list very quickly and then i spend three or four days going back through them change them to now make it a piece you know something different that people look at and go how did they do that shot and that's amazing <laughs> and, and, and for myself too and that's the biggest hurdle for me is trying to recreate what so many of the greats have already invented and, and, and shot to death, you know? Yeah. And it shows, man, it totally shows. And I, I think that that is the ultimate, I mean, I'm a, I consider myself a very visual storyteller and I'm, I'm fighting for that on dialogue scenes. I'm fighting for that on just, you know, standard blocking scenes. So the idea of doing something that is action oriented and something different that is an action oriented thing is, is so cool to me. Um, that's why I'm excited to actually sit down and chat with you about this stuff because it's super cool, man. <laughs> yeah. Where do you pull your inspiration generally? Where would you pull your inspiration for like a character's movements? Like, are you watching like, are you a constant fight video guy? Are you watching fight videos online? No. Are you, are you guys playing around in gyms? No, I don't. You know, I, I, I always, it sounds weird, but I always put myself in, in a scenario. It's like, uh, you know, when I was a very small kid, I always used to imagine that my bedroom window was a TV and that people were watching my life. And <laughs> I used to do little scenes and, and act little scenes and, uh, you know, and, and just imagine this sort of faraway land. I was much more into Tolkien and fantasy and stuff like that back, back when I was a, a real kid. Um, and I loved all the, growing up in South Africa, we had, you know, the A-Team and Airwolf and Dukes of Hazzard and all those great oh, action yeah. movies, oh, yeah. uh, TV shows. But I generally draw from myself a lot you know i've always wanted to be able to do everything in life i wanted to be a racing driver obviously first and foremost but didn't have the money when i was when i was young so it didn't happen but i, I didn't i wanted to be able to drive ride do everything so i was like what sport is it skydiving i want to be professional skydiving. i want to get, try and get to the highest levels i can you know and, and scuba and helicopter pilot and airplane pilot and uh, everything i wanted to armored car driving tank drive. i just wanted to be able to do everything like down to one Christmas or something, my wife's like, "Oh, she's what do I what do I get you? So difficult to buy for." And I'm like, "I want to learn. I want to learn how to unicycle. I've never I've never been able to. I've never tried it." So she bought me a unicycle. And it doesn't matter what it is. I want to be able to do it. And I've always been super competitive, and I think it's helped me a lot because I've got all these useless qualifications, if you like, <laughs> that don't didn't help didn't help me at school or anything, you know. But I could do a lot of stuff. Um, and, but I always used to get, you know, scorn that stuff's not going to help you in life. <laughs> it's useless. I just, I just was always imagining myself doing different. But now I just imagine myself as seeing, okay, the guys, men and black agents are going to run from there and go there. I'm, I'm already in the scene running. I'm already doing it or I'm flying a helicopter. Or I'm doing something in the scene. And because I know how to do it practically, I know how to embellish it and take it further and, 
and I think I think that's what I, I draw from that. And obviously, I, I am a massive cinema buff, you know, and I love watching, you know, all the old greats. And the, there are some great movies, but I don't want to copy anyone. I want to I want to create, you know. Yeah, no, it makes all the sense. And for me, it's the same thing. I'm always looking to be inspired by it. And it's sometimes it's a start off point where I'm like, oh my God, that's a, such a great way to cover uh, a reaction sequence with like 30 people in the room. Oh, that's super cool. And it's usually for me ends up becoming like a starting point in which then I can go, okay, well, how do I make this my own? Um, mm -hmm. So it's, I love that. That's one of the cool things about our business is that cinema is all about being inspired by itself and then and being inspired by the greats and then just taking that to the next to the next level and to the next step. Um, while, Absolutely. You know, there's amazing filmmakers out there. Yeah, man. It's super cool stuff. Super cool stuff. We could totally get nerdy about this for too long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, I have a specific question for you because I, I loved the new Mission Impossible movie and, and it was a surprise to me. And I'll be 100% honest because there's been so many Mission Impossible movies it wasn't even on my radar. And I feel like when I saw... The trailer, it was like, okay, the fact that it was shot on film, the fact that it looked strange, and it just felt very gritty and real. Um, and then there's this real specific moment in the trailer that was in the film that I wanted to ask you about. And it's when, um, I, I'm going to pronounce his name right, Cavell, who played Superman, he's in the he's in that bathroom sequence and he does sort of like that power-up punch thing. Yeah. Where did you know, that come I, from? <laughs> that was from Henry, totally. He's, he's, a, he's a legend, that guy. I mean, he's amazing. He was unbelievable. Um, he, he hung out on my stunt workshop pretty much every day, just trained. He would just, even when he wasn't scheduled for rehearsals, he was there training. He, he worked so hard on that movie, like ridiculously. He was an absolute gentleman too. He, I, I said it in a bunch of interviews, but he knew every crew member by name. He was, and not because he felt he should, he just did. He was just that, he's that type of guy. He would help out. He was so low maintenance. He was, he just, he was really brilliant. Um, and what I try and do with fights and with anything is I try and develop styles for characters based on their strengths, not their weaknesses. It's much harder to try and teach someone something and get them into it. And I always draw from their, from what they, their life stories. So when I had Ilsa Faust or Rebecca Ferguson mm -hmm. on the first mission, I went out and met her in Morocco and I just talked to her and listened to her and watch her move and, I see where she's strong, even in places that she, she might not say, oh, no, I'm, I'm not very good in, with my legs or something, but I'm, I'm like, you're all about legs. And <laughs> um, she might have a good vertical jump, but not a, not a very good crouch or something, or, you know, have not, not good dynamic side to side, like, you know, different sort of movements like that. So I'll, I'll work on their strengths. And that's where the thigh moves came with her and Rogue Nation because her, her, she was quite light on her feet and Rebecca's legs were her, her strength, hence the thigh move that came in Rogue Nation. So with Henry, when I met him, he was like, he was like a bear <laughs> and he was just this lovely guy who just reminded me, you know, he's, he was schooled in England and a rugby player, old school English boxer from, <laughs> from these sort of old, you know, old boxing movies. And he just, he just had this bearish strength to him, this manner that was just so sort of strong and but yet he was a real gentleman and kind, which is what we knew. So I wanted to, I wanted to bring out those strengths. So I sort of pitched it to him, like, I want to make you this like brutal fighter. Like they're calling you the hammer. Let's make you the hammer. These are two hammers you've got right here, your fist. And I just want to have you as this brutal rugby playing fighter, like that all guys can relate to that are sort of the, the rugby crowd, the sort of, you know, that sort of bar fighting without being pretty. It's not, it's nothing fancy about what you do. It's just brutality. It's just strength. Um, and then we started doing fight rehearsals with him. And I just, he's just, he was just, he just fitted the character so well that um, it just got better and better and better. And he, that was totally improvised by Henry um, on the day he was doing it. And we were just kept g him up like, you're the hammer, you're brutal. And he was just like, it's like rage. And he was just, <laughs> he just improvised. He just was, and he just did this thing. And we're like, that was brilliant. Like, do, just do that again. Just do that every time. And that was it. And, and it's genius. The mustache is genius on him for that character. <laughs> it's absolute genius because I didn't even recognize him in the trailer. And there's such a great contradiction between that mustache and his strength. It's just perfect, dude. It, was it is so perfect. And of course, he's you know he's a he's a fairly good looking man. So I mean, putting putting that mustache on him just gave him made him a little bit more human for us guys that are you know that are regular looking. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, let me get back real quick to um, second unit directing stuff. The 
I'm fascinated because I've never been in that situation yet. I haven't been directing something in which I'm handing over uh, stuff to a second unit. So uh, it's kind of a scary thing, but it's also kind of a curious thing for me. How do you guys figure out? So do you just handle like if there's a if there's a sequence, are you just doing all the inserts and action sequence or actions uh, shots for the sequence? Or? Yeah, all the action, all the action ready. So like, <clears throat> for example, right now we're doing something. The the actresses, um, you know, they, they meet in the scene and they just about to have this massive fight and um, they have the dialogue. She has a look to her just for the fight kicks off, cut. The main unit goes off and shoots the rest of the drama scenes and I pick up with the, with the cast, with the actresses, um, the fight onwards for the next week or whatever it is, or car chase and, um, and do all that. And, you know, it's some secondary directors will just do action and then the main unit will come back and put the actors back into the scene, you know, against green screen or whatever it is and, and, and look over and, and do a little dialogue or a little look or a little bit of performance. But, you know, with me, I've, I've, I've earned the sort of trust from the directors I work with that will trust me to get performance out of the actors because I actually, it's something I actually really enjoy. And that's, that's the biggest thing going back to what you said earlier, you know, that I tell myself a lot because my schedule is normally so, oh, it's, it's so rushed because I'm second unit. When I'm doing something that's very performance based, and subjectively performance-based. I want the time to get performance, and I want the time to be able to sit back and watch performance and, and see if there's something I'm missing. Because you can have the best action sequence, but if you're not getting performance from your cast, it, it would only ever be there. You know what I mean? And if, you, if I can just step back and get that little nuance or that little look or that something, the smirk, an eyebrow raise, or something small, not even dialogue-related. It could just be a feeling. And if I can get that feeling or emotion across... By just having that time to watch playback, to think about things rather than rushing to the next shot to finish the scene in the day and the two days I've got to do a three day scene and and, and that's what I I fight on a lot with myself when I'm shot listing and I make sure that I've got that time to sit back and, and if people are rushing me and producer oh, come we got to finish we got to do this manage. and I sit on my own and I make sure that I watch and that I'm getting what I want what I visualize and what I see and what to write for the tone of the film and if it is all those things then we move on if it's not and then I try something different. You got to have you got to have that time. It's important. Do you spend a lot of time? Have you spent much time in the edit room? Have you actually seen your yes. stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I spend a lot of time in there. It's um, it's great. I love it because there's certain shots that you do, and the editor might use one of those takes, but not know that I've tied it into another shot. So I'll go in and go. Hang on. I did a reverse on her doing that, and that reverse has a little counter move that comes around and picks up that shot, mm. and it gives us a slightly longer look of discovery for her in performance. And he's like, well, I don't remember seeing that shot. And he's like, just go to the reverse. I get my script supervisor in with me. She's like, you know, slate this, that. And he brings it up and I just try that in there and then go to that. And he's like, oh, right, I see. And it's because they might have thought that was just a safety shot from a different angle, but they might not know that I I'd tied those two shots together as an option for them to continue the journey or continue to elongate a look or a moment or, or something. So I enjoy going in there, but editors always love it too, because you know, they've got so much footage to edit um, and mm -hmm. you, it can be really helpful. And then they normally get super excited about it. They're like, oh, I love this. This is great. And, oh, you did that for this and this, you know, so it's, it's, I think it's important. I think it's totally important. And I'm always telling crew people in general, like, hey, go to the edit room to see how your stuff is actually playing out and to be in that. It's a, it's a very, you go from, being a, a onset person, which is like, I got to get this done. We have a plan. And then what are the elements and how do we fight those elements? And then when you get in the edit room, it's a whole different mantra of like, okay, here's a bin full of what I have to work with. How do I sort through this bin and how do I stay connected? Um, and I think it's really important. And it's a really cool thing to hear that you do spend time in the edit room because I think that's essential for any key position on a, on a film. Definitely. So these days, what are you working on? Are you are you intentionally just sort of picking out large budget projects these these days, or like what are you working on? Well, um, I mean, yes, to a degree, um, it's what I sort of get presented um, a lot. You know, the, the, the sort of larger movies because they have two big units running, yep. um, and obviously run the second unit for them. And um, yeah, it just seems to be the way that sort of my my career ha has gone. And uh, Although, you know, I'd love to do a lot of the smaller films. I'd love to do a lot of the independent films. I mainly watch independent films. Yeah. Um, for me, it's, the, it's they, they're real filmmakers. There's a lot of studio movies out there that we've lost the, to me anyway, mm -hmm. we've just lost that edge of, of, of filmmaking. Accountants and financiers rather than made by filmmakers and what's best for the film and, and made by, you know, location and, and tone and palette and texture and 
vibe and feel, you know, and mood and all those things. It's now like, this is the budget. This is the box it fits in. This is the location that's giving us the incentive. <laughs> Go shoot. Um, and, and a lot of the time, and this is the director, we owe him something because he helped us with something years ago and, you know, he's going to do it. Yep. You know, you're going to help him do it. Yes. Yeah, so I just hope it doesn't become, um, to, you know, more and more like that where we lose, lose touch with our, our, our risk taking filmmakers. Yes. Uh, you know, we, we, we don't want to be so sanitized where I get a lot of the time with, you know, with, with a lot of the big studios and th- these new directors are like, Oh, I want to do this move. I'm like, Oh, that's been done so many times. Yeah, but it, it worked. Movie made that suited that character in that movie. It doesn't suit necessarily this character in this movie. Let's try and do something really cool and different that someone else says on another movie. Hey, I want to do that. <laughs> you know, let's try and be let's try and be the person that invented and came up with it rather than the person that copied it, um, just because it worked. And and that's sort of you know, as I said, I'm lucky enough to be in a in, in a in a good position with some great studios and great films that I've been a part of. But there's a lot else out there that is. Is, is not like that and uh, yeah. it's quite sad for those young talented filmmakers that are real filmmakers and won't necessarily get the opportunity to, to show, the, show their skills due to the politics of the business you know yeah it's a tough thing to actually get your movie made and it's a, it's a really tough position to be in and I'm at this point now where I, I'm finally sort of cracking through and once I'm off the air I can tell you who I'm working with which is really kind of cool once, once we're off the air I'll tell you what I really feel as well <laughs> 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 no names, no names. Of course, brother. Of course, of course, of course. Um, but I mean, I asked that question because I love your style. I love the edge and I love that that grittiness. And I feel like more often than not, uh, you only really see that stuff on films that can essentially afford it, you know? And so the setup is kind of the same or, or like, you know, the big budget sort of studio world where we need to appeal to such a broad audience is the same. And then I feel like I start to see that stunt work that fits in that. It would just be fascinating to see your style blended into something that was like really edgy and very dangerous. Um, but I don't know if that can, I, I, can that work? Because budget at the end of the day becomes uh, restrictive for you, correct? Yeah, budget, it is very restrictive with budget. And, you know, it's, you get to a stage in your life where your, your time is more important than money. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so if you're going to be taken out away from your family and away somewhere like this, it has to be worth your while to a degree on, on the personal financial side. Otherwise th- there's no, there's no gain to it. You want to, you want to work for the rest of your life. You know, you want to try and do it and then, and, and then enjoy the, the, the reward of working your, your ass off for, you know, 14, <laughs> 16 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, there's got to be some benefit or creatively and financially, or, or there's just no point. I'd rather go and open a little surf shack on a, on a, <laughs> on a beach somewhere and just drink margaritas, you know, and, and, and why not? Of course, man, of course. Less, and have less stress. So there's got to be that element. But saying that, I, I, I do have a lot of indie films and people that, you know, contact and connect with me and lots of great friends. And if I, if a, you know, a smaller film came to me, but it's a really cool, gritty script, I always want to be involved because those are the movies I love watching and, 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 you know, and I'd love to be a part of it, but then they want to create a massive sequence and have me shoot it. And when I tell them what is, you know, what what it entails, and and it's not about me or charging rates or anything like that. It's nothing to do with that. It's, it's designing the sequence. So Mm -hmm. if I say to them, I need, you know, this street in order to get scale and to show the beauty of this and to tell the story, the street costs money to the location costs money to, to rent all the police and the marshals cost money. If I'm locking off doorways and driveways and things, we'll need a hundred odd marshals locking off doorways and drive that all costs money. And then you get all our camera equipment you know, the pursuit Russian arm, the, the techno cranes, all these beautiful bits of uh, camera equipment in order to shoot these sequences and make them look, you know, these visually stunning sequences, these powerful camera moves, all that equipment costs money. And then the technicians to run them, the camera yeah. operators and the budget alone, just to do that based on that, the, that's the whole budget of some of these movies, just one sequence. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's not physically possible. And as, as much as it, would love to. It's not possible. I mean, I, I've done a lot of small movies and videos myself as a, as a friend. I actually 
helped Dave Leach out many years ago in a music video um, when he was a young performer who, you know, he's now turned into an incredible director <laughs> um, Deadpool too, too. But I helped him do a video years ago. They didn't have the, the, the budget for aerial helicopter shots and cranes and all that stuff. So I, I fly helicopters. I said, Dave, don't worry. Just, <clears throat> just you shoot it. I'll strap you in my helicopter, a little helicopter, not mine, a uh, rented one. A little two seater Robinson was like 250 bucks to rent it for an hour. <laughs> and, I took the doors off it, strapped them in with a cap with a camera, and we flew over these cliffs and had the person singing on the cliff. And we did these amazing shots. I got within like three feet of this person on the chopper, and we did these beautiful big pull-away shots of dropping over the ocean and all these big crane moves. And it gave it such production value. But if you were going to do that properly, pull in an aerial unit and aerial yeah. helicopter and all the camera, are you talking? 10, 15,000 bucks before you've even taken off, taken off the ground, you know, it's like before you've even started. So you just, you just couldn't do it. And that cost him $250. I just, we hired it and we went out and did it as mates, you know, and it was, I love the rawness of that still, but it's, it's, you know, you just, it's, it's very difficult to get those big production value shots. Yeah. And you got to be smart about it. I mean, that's kind of one of the reasons why I was really excited to chat with you because I feel like uh, being someone that puts together a script or being someone that puts together production, it's smart to understand the scale and scope. And it's really cool. It isn't often that you get an opportunity to talk with someone like yourself until the piece is greenlit, like until something happens with the, where there's cash. And then it's like, okay, now we can talk about this. And it's almost backwards. It's Jeez, I've never, I've, I've never, <laughs> in my last like 12 years, I don't think I've been on a project that's been greenlit until we're at least like four weeks into shooting. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> or at least, at least that's what they tell me. Yeah, well, yeah, there hits a there hits a level where my guys are my guys are like, well, we have to wait until we hit this stage. So it's and, right. and, and oftentimes I feel like for my end of things, it's like, well, can I just talk early on just to figure out exactly what this is about? <laughs> right before, absolutely. You know, because you're guessing. You know, you in the beginning you're just sort of like, okay, cool. Wouldn't it be cool if we did a car chase that ran around this corner and then. You know, it isn't, it, I've been directing commercials and music videos for 18 years, and I believe in learning on sets. And it isn't until you're on the set that you go, okay, that actual light unit takes like three guys to put up. And this, you know, exactly. This takes a and 25 minutes, and this is my time. I've got to factor into my shooting day. And exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think that is super important because then you're planning something that you can pull off, and then you're turning to someone that's giving you cash, going to be able to say to them, I can realistically do this. I can do this within yeah. a period of time. I mean, I get a lot of, you know, young directors and through friends, obviously if I, if I did it to everyone, I, I would, wouldn't have a chance to do my job. I'd just be meeting people every day, all day, but yes. it's, uh, I always try and it's, I'm, you know, anyone that knows me will, will tell you this as well. Like as stunt, young stunt people, performers, I will always give all I can to give back to the, to the business for someone that is, is keen and passionate. And I'm always brutal with my advice because I'm very honest. I don't paint a pretty picture and I, I, I definitely don't, you know, tell them there someone's done something amazing. If it's not, I, I want everyone to be the best. So I'll always try and give as true and sound advice as I can. Mm -hmm. But I do have a lot of people that still come through and like, oh wait, can I just buy you a beer or can we have a coffee or something? I'm like, and if I've got time and you know, it's absolutely I do it. I mean, <clears throat> my wife will tell you, anyone will tell you, I'm sure where are you going? I'm, I'm just going to, you know, cruise down to meet this person and they want to ask me some questions. It's like, it's what it's all about. If we don't have that community and, and, that, and, and you know, I, I fought very hard to get to where I am. I certainly didn't have it easy. No one, I didn't know anyone in the business and I definitely went through the school of hard knocks. I had zero help from anyone getting to where I, where I worked to, you know, to at this stage. So, you know, if I can give back to someone and give advice that they're not going down the wrong road for so many years, it makes their journey take longer. If I can give a little bit of advice that helps tipple the scales and makes them get to where they want to get a little bit quicker because they're great creative minds. And God, if I can help, I will for sure, always. Well, you've been helping immensely by just sitting here and chatting with me and it's been fantastic. And you're, I know your schedule is, is crazy and I have to thank your assistant, Susie, for, for, for making this work for us. Um, I really appreciate you being on the show. It's an honor to chat with you, my friend. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the new episode of In Love With The Process. I promised to deliver, and I think I did on this episode. Um, I feel like I know a lot more about 
uh, what a stunt coordinator does um, and how they come up with their ideas for action sequences. Um, and I honestly, I cannot wait to finally get into that position where I can collaborate with someone like Wade. So um, I hope you enjoy the show and I want to thank all of the new followers that we've been getting recently because of uh, that really great uh, guest piece that I did for um, Film Riot. Uh, and I've had a lot of folks coming over and asking to see 12KM. Um, so we've been getting a lot of really good reviews. Um, and if you are someone that hasn't seen it yet and you do want to see it, the best way to contact me is through Instagram. I've been doing everything through Instagram these days. I'm a visual person. Instagram is a visual platform. It just makes sense. So if you go on Instagram and you send me a message, don't just drop a note underneath one of the pictures. If you send me a message, it's easier for me to respond to you that way. Uh, tell me what your favorite horror movies are. And then tell me why you think you should see 12KM. Because it isn't released to the public yet, guys. Um, I'd be more than happy to show it to you guys. And uh, if you guys aren't following our uh, Instagram for this podcast, if you go to In Love With The Process pod, that's In Love With The Process P-O-D, uh, follow us there. Uh, I've been trying to post a lot of stuff that influences me, stuff that gets me excited, behind the scenes photos, like uh, behind the scenes camera stuff, camera porn, food porn. Uh, everything that influences me, basically. Um, and that's a great place to sort of see supplemental materials for each of these podcasts. So if you're not following me there yet, do so. And uh, make sure that you subscribe. Subscribe, guys. Um, we're on iTunes, we're on SoundCloud, we're on a bunch of different platforms. If there is a platform out there that you can't find us on, write to me, let me know. And I will make sure that I make it happen. There are a ton of things to do here, and I just really don't have the time to do all of them <laughs> and try to do movie stuff at the same time. So that being said, um, like I said earlier, please do me a favor and uh, go uh, sign up for the 30-day free trial uh, at Audible uh, backslash in love with the process. Um, the link will be below. Everybody that signs up for that trial, uh, we get a little bit of money, and that helps me pay for subscriptions, like Adobe subscription it's a fortune guys um and you know soundcloud subscriptions all that sort of stuff and i'm trying to not have this show come out of my pocket i really want the show to pay for itself um and i'm not going to ask you to reach into your pocket uh the easiest way to do it is go sign up for that 30-day free trial uh, at audible they have fantastic um audio books um really fantastic audio programs i am still listening to um, the new Shining, uh, Dr. Sleep, although I haven't got to it in the past week because I've been so busy trying to get this podcast off the ground. Um, I'm really happy. A lot of hard work went into this, and I hope you guys liked this episode as much as I did. Thanks for listening. <laughs>